welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. And today I'm reviewing the production series called The Chosen. I was asked in real life my views on that TV series or the production series called The Chosen. And now an online reader asks me. So here is my reply. Personally, I have seen all of season one of The Chosen, which is not on TV, but on um, online and on apps. I adore The Chosen. Here are the reasons why I like it. Some cautions and the second commandment issue. The production itself is very close to depicting the real culture of Jesus's day. The production values are terrific, and the series is really lush to look at. I'm happy to have a Christian production that's not embarrassing in its acting and scenery and costumes and settings. And from what I understand, a lot of research and thought went into it. It shows. Where it depicts biblical events, it again, for a lot of the screen time, is very close or exactly biblical. They use verses and phrases from the Bible quite often. I have not seen them depict any of the disciples in a way that's contrary to the way, they, way they're presented in the Bible, except they made Matthew be on the autism spectrum. Why? I don't know. Simon Peter is impetuous, Andrew is measured, and so on. Where the Bible doesn't speak, the show's narrative is plausible. For example, Nicodemus is portrayed in almost all of season one. He is shown as compassionate, knowledgeable, but not proud. He's shown to be seeking and open to the miracles of the man he comes to know as Jesus. He is questioning what he knows and what he doesn't know. And this is plausible because he is seen in the Bible in John 3 as a seeker. He actually was seeking. And it was plausible that he was seeking and questioning before that one night that he came to see Jesus. What I liked about Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, the teacher of Israel, is that the show writers vividly depict the tremendous pressure from his students and his colleagues to overlook the likelihood of Jesus being Messiah. They show the difficulty in his shaking off of his entire lifestyle and standing in the community for the unknown of possibly following Jesus. And the pleas of his wife to dismiss what Nicodemus is increasingly coming to believe, just so that they can keep their quote, position. Now, these are all plausible. No, it's not in the Bible explicitly, but it is generally, and it's likely that it went down that way, given what we do know about Annas and Caiaphas and the scribes and the other Pharisees. Yes, it is true in one scene 
that as Nicodemus realized who Jesus was, he kneeled before him and Jesus said, you don't have to do that. Jesus accepted worship. He didn't reject it. That part of the scene was error. But there was a good part to the scene too. What I did like was that Nicodemus took Jesus's hand and kissed it and replied with Psalm 2-2, kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way, which was right. I liked that it indicated one place for sure the other Pharisees should have known who Jesus was, or at least should not have ignored scripture in the Old Testament indicating it. Another character, Mary, who was delivered from seven demons, I loved how they showed her physical and spiritual agony and the effect her possession had on the people in her community. It was starkly shown that effect that possession had on the people that loved her as they tried to help her or at least stay out of the way when the demons made her have a fit. The reality of living life being demon-possessed was startling to see and different from when you just read it. The show series is emotional. I do cry at every episode. It's one thing to read in the Bible about these events, but it's another to see. Jesus announced to the woman at the well that I am he. It's emotional to see Jesus in Cana standing over the vat of water about to turn it into wine and realize in his bowed head that he knows this is the beginning of his public ministry and thus the beginning of the end. This is something that had not occurred to me, but was brought to life by being able to see it depicted. The Chosen doesn't detract from the Bible, nor in my opinion competes with it, but just allows us a different accessibility that's not usually present when reading or hearing. In those other ways we normally engage with the word every day. So it's fairly biblically accurate, as much as a man-made production can be. It's well-written and produced and emotional. Now, the last two are not reasons alone to enjoy something as important as a Bible story, but I haven't found anything huge in doctrine to turn me off. Knowing and understanding that this is a man-made production interpreting the life of Jesus from the Bible, not a reproduction of the biblical text. The emotionality and good production makes for pleasant viewing, but I still have my discernment hat on. Even the Jesus film, which was solely words from the Bible, nothing filled in. Only the Bible as script had detractors due to the Second Amendment issue poor production values, and overall directorial lifelessness. Some people are not happy no matter what the writers do with biblical material. Just ask a King James version onlyist. Now, concerns. 
Mary, who was delivered from seven demons, is increasingly shown through season one in the inner circle. She travels with the men and is shown being very active as almost one of the 12. In fact, she's shown as initiating the entry of the paralytic through the crowds and up onto the roof. She didn't. This is not accurate, and it's an unnecessary change. I hope that the writers don't bow to pressure to have a woman in a man's place as this series continues. Now, I've only watched season one, but I don't like Mary's involvement, which is a departure from the text. It's one thing that may make me abandon the series. Now, Jesus talking with the woman at the well. This scene and event concludes season one. Oh, that's a caption to a picture I had. Jesus had openly announced himself as Messiah saying to her, I am he, John 4, 26. A few times, a very few, Jesus says things that aren't realistic. Simon Peter is shown to be impulsive, as, as he actually was, and Jesus and Peter's wife have a conversation about it. Jesus says to the wife, you saw something in Peter before anyone. So did I. That's what links us. That's nonsense and something Jesus would never say. The only thing Jesus sees in us is our sin and the need for forgiveness. Some critics dislike that Jesus is shown in the series joking or laughing. I do not have a quarrel with Jesus joking or laughing. He was fully man. He was shown in the Bible to be tired, frustrated, hungry, sorrowful, if he's fully man, is it not reasonable to expect he felt the entire gamut of emotions as a man? That would include joy, laughter, happiness. God rejoices in heaven, Zephaniah 3.17 says. I have no quarrel with a show depicting Jesus as laughing. Yes, he was a man of sorrows. But he was also made like his brothers in, quote, every way, Hebrews 2.17. As for the one line that everyone is hollering about, when the actor playing Jesus was joking about Andrew's inability to dance, the disciples appealed to Jesus to help him. And Jesus said, there are some things even I cannot do. It was a joke. Nothing in the remaining context of the entire bulk of all the episodes suggests anything less than Jesus is fully man, God, deity. And remember, Jesus also said he did not know the day nor hour of the second coming, Matthew 24, 36, and that he grew in wisdom and stature. I am aware of the issues with the producers, uh, Dallas Jenkins, um, spiritual advisors on the series. They're Mormons and Catholics. And it does say a lot about Jenkins' discernment to have them on board. Maybe it was a pragmatic decision or a financial decision. I don't know. 
But I don't see people decrying Billy Graham, who also had Catholics and Jewish rabbis at his crusades as counselors. Hmm, crickets on that one. Jenkins associations are something to be aware of, putting that nugget in the discernment bucket. I don't know how much his advisors influenced him, but I haven't seen tr anything tremendously disturbing yet. But as with any material that isn't actual Bible, just be discerning and watch and compare. As far as critics charges that this movie is dangerous in that it causes people to reignite love for scripture or return to the church, maybe supplanting the actual word of God or using the movie as a substitute. Well, devices are used all the time to draw people. We got VBS, trunk or treat, youth night pizza parties, Christmas corrals, movie clips, popular songs, revival week. Churches use various methods all the time to punctuate worship or to draw the drifting. Not all those methods are good, and some are too pragmatic. But just add the chosen to the pile of ways Christians use material to get the good news out there. We understand we aren't to directly worship the Jesus in the movie. We know we aren't supposed to swap the written word of God for a cinematic experience. Come on. Now, the second commandment issue about not having any graven images. Yes, an actor depicts Jesus, but no, I don't think anyone will bow down to him or worship him. For some, though, it sears their conscience to view someone portraying Jesus, and that's okay. I would not want someone to violate their conscience, not at all. For me, though, it's not an issue. I would not want someone to make me feel seared for having watched a depiction of Jesus. Is it unwise to listen to an audio recording of the Gospel of John? To listen to a human audibly speak the words that Jesus spoke? To listen to a voice actor like Max McLean read Jesus' words aloud? We all have differing levels of quarrel with how far depictions of Jesus should go. Conclusion. I think people, and especially parents, need to weigh if they want to watch a show that plausibly fills in gaps where the Bible is silent and whether they or their kids will absorb that filler as truth. That could be a danger. Now, let's talk about fads in reviewing and discernment criticism. A lot of times reviews go in fads because people pile on. The outrage against Harry Potter was started by Focus on the Family. And since James Dobson had a lot of influence, that criticism went far. People piled on going, yeah, yeah, Harry Potter bad, without thinking it through for themselves. Eventually, such faddish negativity settles into the culture like cement, and it's hard for the item 
in that case, Harry Potter, to shake it. I think the same thing is happening with the Chosen. It's one of the best depictions of Jesus I've seen so far. The material is pretty biblical. Yes, there are some quibbles and a few off things, as there usually are. But in my opinion, nothing that would warrant people saying, it's heresy. Indeed, this is one of the more biblically faithful series I've seen, and yet the awful series, The Bible, by Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, was actually taught in churches. I've heard nothing but crickets from people about that, nor about Noah, the movie with Russell Crowe, or Exodus, God and Kings by Ridley Scott, or series like The Bible and A.D. The Bible Continues. People just say, ah, it's just a movie. It's just TV. Get over it. Why all the outrage against the chosen? I don't know, but I don't think it's warranted. Michelle Leslie has a good review of season one of The Chosen that is balanced, and also a mini review of part of season two. Todd Friel of Wretched also reviewed it. I'll link that in the show notes. What I do is I put on my discernment hat and I go from there. It's up to any individual person to determine at what point their conscience would be bothered by what they're viewing. Niggles turn into issues that turn into problems that turn into heresy. And at some point, discernment tips over from caution to a no-go. For most of the movies and TV shows about biblical material, I tune out early due to a mounting pile of issues with doctrine. In one or two cases, I quit because the production was so poor I could barely stand to watch it. With The Chosen, I'm still hanging in there. And I look forward to season two, hoping I don't have to abandon it. But as with any material based on the word of God, be discerning, realize in grace and patience and love for each person that their tipping point will vary and some will bail earlier than others. Pay attention to your conscience and do watch out for the kids if you have any kids that plan to watch. Carefully explaining what is interpretive filler and what is biblical. But parents should do that anyway with anything their kids absorb. Hey, enjoy the chosen for what it is and just go on with your summer. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.